0: Community Church exists to shine as light in our homes, in our community, and in our world. To contact us or for more information, see our website at wildwoodchurch.org.
1: I want to invite you to take out your Bibles and turn in them in the Gospels to Luke chapter 19. So Luke 19, you don't have a Bible in, in front of you, there should be one under a chair And you could take that particular Bible and turn in it to page 63 in the back part, and you would be at Luke 19. Today we're starting a first in a series of messages around our Ready for Takeoff initiative, Wildwood's Outreach. Part of our goal is we want to take Wildwood's Outreach to a new altitude. And the catalyst behind that, some of you have heard about this already, is that we desire to pay off the remaining $1.5 million on our mortgage for our children's building. And the way we plan to do that in in the Lord's timing is that we have three families in our church who've said they would give $750,000 if the rest of our church body could give $750,000 in the next year. And if the Lord sees fit to allow us to pay that mortgage off, it will free up um, some $16,000 a month that currently goes towards our mortgage to expand our outreach locally and internationally. And... Uh, You'll be hearing more about some of the details of that in some of the small group meetings that we have, but we're also going to be talking about it for several weeks in our worship services, and what we're going to be doing in these services is we're going to be sharing with you some Scripture exhortations, and then also we're going to be sharing with you some specific illustrations of what our new outreach levels might actually look like and some of the things that we're going to do, and we're actually planning to take the first $100,000 that is given And pour it right into outreach this year. And so in the next couple of weeks, we're going to be sharing around several themes. We're going to be talking about sharing his life. This is the idea of our outreach where we're talking about evangelism. And then we're also going to be talking about sharing his light, where we're going to be talking about in our outreach how we can build disciples. And then we're going to talk about sharing his love around the themes of compassion and justice, and all of these things make up the outreach that we hope God will allow us to do at new levels. Now, if you have your Bible open to Luke chapter 19, I want to read a little story here about an individual that many of us have heard about in the first 10 verses. His name is Zacchaeus. So notice it says in Luke 19 verse 1, it says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through And there was a man called by the name of Zacchaeus, and he was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. And Zacchaeus was trying to see who Jesus was and was unable because of the crowd, for he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree in order to see him, for he was about to pass through that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for today I must stay at your house. And he hurried and came down and received him, Jesus, gladly. And when they, those around, saw it, they all began to grumble, saying, He is gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, Half of my possessions I will give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will give them back four times as much. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because he too is a son of Abraham, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. Very interesting story. Very interesting character, this guy named Zacchaeus. We learn in verses 3 and 4 about him that he was short. What an interesting statement about the guy. He was so short he couldn't see over anybody. And so he found ahead of where Jesus was going this sycamore tree. And I think of, I have a big sycamore tree in my yard. And he was able to somehow scamper up that sycamore tree so that he could see. We learn from verse 2 that he was a chief tax collector. You will remember that tax collectors in Israel were considered to be traitors because they were collecting tax for the Roman Empire. He was a chief tax collector. He was the head of many other tax collectors. And one of the things that they were required to do was, of course, to collect the Roman tax, but they didn't have a salary. What they would do is collect the Roman tax, and then they could charge on top of that whatever they wanted, and then the people had to pay all of that. Well, he had done a lot of that extra charging and he'd made a lot of money and he is a rich guy a hated rich guy and Jesus says to him I want to stay at your house and it's so fascinating to me to see the way the people respond now just think about that for a moment probably one of the most hated guys in your community and Jesus has an interest in him And the response is to grumble about it. What were they really saying? What was their heart? Their heart was, his kind does not deserve the attention of Jesus. It would be something like this. He's made his own bed, and he ought to lie in it. Why would we be interested in seeing that change in his life? The interesting phrase that governs the whole story is the one that you see there in verse 10. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. That is a great summary of Jesus' mission. And, of course, Jesus' mission was also our mission. And I think if we were going to be honest with certain people that we might run across in our community or certain people that we hear about in our country or even certain people groups and individuals we might hear about internationally, a lot of times, deep inside, our attitude is those kind of people don't really deserve to have a relationship with God. I mean, they've made choices. They've made choices as cultures. They've made their own bed. They ought to lie in it. But we need to be reminded of the fact that Jesus' mission was to come and to seek and to save that which is lost, and we are ambassadors for Christ. Now, what I want to share today may not be new to you at all, but I think we are easily distracted by life. And it's important for each one of us, it's important for me, every once in a while, to just refresh our thinking, to refocus, to renew our perspective. And so that's what I want to do in the next few moments together. I'm going to look at three things in just a few short minutes. I, number one, I want to look at an amazing truth. And then I want to look at an amazing calling that we have. And then thirdly, I want to look at an amazing privilege that God has given to us. Just a reminder, all right, just a refreshment. So let's begin by looking at this amazing truth that God has given to us. And you need to go to the middle of your Bible, to the book of Ecclesiastes, which is after Psalms and after Proverbs, Ecclesiastes chapter 3. And I want to look at verse 11. It's an amazing truth that is just tucked into the middle of this mysterious book. And yet it is so vitally critical. Look at Ecclesiastes 3.11. God has made everything appropriate in its time. And then this is the amazing statement, the amazing truth I want us to zero in on for a few moments. He, God, has also set Eternity in their heart. Talking about humanity and how God has set eternity in their heart. The New Living Translation says that God planted eternity in the human heart. The Voice, another translation, says that God has placed in our minds a sense of eternity. And I think sometimes we forget this. You know, people everywhere, it doesn't make any difference if it's Norman, Oklahoma, or if it's somewhere across one of the oceans. People everywhere have their life filled, but they're not necessarily living a fulfilling life. And here's the amazing truth, that there's an an, an internal part of us as human beings that apart from Christ cannot be fulfilled with things that end here. And what happens in most people's lives, it's transcultural. They will make feeble attempts to fill their heart with things, to fill their heart with earth pursuits or with earth stuff. And so the focus of their life might become things like their job, or might become things like their bank account, or a certain kind of athletic accomplishment, or their focus is on human relationships, or it's on electronic games, or it's on politics. And there can be all these attempts, you see, to fill our heart with various earth pursuits and with earth stuff. But apart from Christ, you see, there's an eternity deficit that exists in every heart. And that deficit just communicates, it's an internal thing. There must be something more. We've all heard multiple stories about people, whether you want to talk about popularity or whether you want to talk about money or whether you talk about position and influence, of people who arrive there and they go, there must be something more. And every human being has deep inside of themselves, in their heart, placed there by God, a desire to make a difference with their life. They want to have a significant influence. They want to have a significant impact. It's planted there by God. And that makes people restless. And part of the reason why God put eternity in in our hearts as human beings is his aim was to communicate internally we have a need. And really what he wants to do is he wants to eternalize our life, to place us in contact with that which we were created to sense. And so we need to remember when we talk about Jesus coming to seek and save that which is lost. He's talking about reaching people who haven't been eternalized yet, who know there's something missing. They're lost. And it's interesting how you can begin to look at the terminologies that are used in Scripture, like lost, or terminology like they are sitting in darkness in the land of the shadow of death, as it says in Matthew 4.16. They're described as condemned already, in John 3:18. Uh, the Bible goes on to describe them as without hope and without God in the world in Ephesians 2:12, in the domain of darkness Colossians 1:13, dead in their trespasses and sins Ephesians 2:1. And they are described in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 18 as those who are perishing. Those who are perishing. And so I don't know about you, but I need to refocus on this from time to time. I need to be refreshed. I need to be reminded about it. We live among those who are perishing apart from Christ. I like the way Ron Hutchcraft put it this way. He says, when Jesus looks at the people cruising the mall, he doesn't see shoppers. He sees dying people. When Jesus sees young people pouring out of the local school each afternoon, he doesn't see students, he sees dying people. When Jesus watches men and women going into that factory or that office building each morning, he doesn't see workers, he sees dying people. And we could add, when Jesus sees children in a remote Mexican mountain village, he sees dying people people. Well, here's the important question. Do you, do we see dying people, people who need to be eternalized? The first thing we're going to look at is is that amazing truth that God has put eternity into the heart of every individual. The second thing we want to look at is an amazing calling. So turn with me um, past the Gospels to the book of Acts, chapter 1 and verse 8. This is a familiar verse. I, I told you we wouldn't necessarily be learning new things, but this is important truth. Jesus, speaking to the disciples who were our forerunners In Acts 1.8, he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you, he's really speaking to me and to you, shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and even to the remotest part of the earth. That's what we have as our calling to be witnesses. What does a witness do? A witness tells what they have experienced. They tell what they know. And that is part of our calling. And, and I think about that. I think about how one of the ways that I like to communicate what I know about Christ is it falls out like this. Life has a secret, and people need to know that. The secret is that God designed every human being with the intrinsic need to have a relationship With him. We were born to have a relationship with our Creator. Someone long time ago said we were born with a God shaped vacuum in our hearts. And then John 17 3, it says, This is eternal life, that they may know you, God, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Secondly, This is what people need to hear. Mankind has a problem. We were born with this inborn tendency to rebel and to seek to live life our own way. And an Old Testament prophet, Isaiah, said, we all like sheep have gone astray and each of us has turned to his own way. And God has a name for this kind of an attitude. It's it's the word sin. And every human being has been tainted by this problem. And sin also has complications to it. It carries a penalty, which is the penalty of death, and we can't really compensate for that problem at all. We try to, but we can't compensate for the problem. And the third key factor that people need to hear is that God has the solution, and that's the person of Jesus Christ, and he's the only provision for our sins. He didn't come to be served but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. He died in our place. He took our spiritual cancer upon Himself. And then the fourth thing that needs to be communicated as a witness to people is that you and I have a responsibility, and that is to receive the work of Jesus Christ by trusting in Him by faith. As many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God, even to those who believe in his name. See, that's the kind of communication that we need to communicate to people. That's what they need to hear. That is part of our calling, to communicate those truths to people. And we're to do it in Jerusalem. You know, I think, comparative to our community, our university, we're to do it in Judea that would be comparative to our county and our state. We're to do it in Samaria. That would be communicative to our nation today. And we're to do it in the remotest part of the earth, which is a function of our world. And what is the result? As we testify as a witness to these things, the lost sheep gets brought home. And as it says in Colossians 1.13, people are rescued from the domain of darkness and transferred to the kingdom of his beloved son. So there's an amazing, amazing truth that eternity is in the hearts of every individual. We have this amazing calling to be witnesses, and then we have an amazing privilege. And I want to look at that real quickly from 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verses 18 to 20. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 18 to 20. Now, again, this is not new stuff, but we need to be reminded about it. Notice it says in verse 18. It says that God reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, namely that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he's committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were making an appeal through us. We are ambassadors for Christ. Now, I want to ask you a question. Don't answer it out loud. But was it at the forefront of your thinking every day this past week when you woke up, I am an ambassador for Christ? I mean, was that right out in the front of your perspective? What an incredible privilege it is to be called an ambassador for Christ. You know, this obviously is a term that comes out of the world of international politics and and statesmanship. and the idea of being an ambassador is a very high, high, high honor. You are allowed to be the face and the voice of your nation as an ambassador. And it's a highly desired position. Uh, You know, even in our day, people will donate large, large, large amounts of money. They sometimes will toil in government for multiple, multiple years with the hope that possibly they could serve as an ambassador. And we are ambassadors for Christ. And he granted that to you and to me as as a simple gift. Now, I tell you, that's an amazing privilege, an amazing privilege. We have been appointed by the highest authority of the universe to represent him and to deliver his message. We are ambassadors for Christ. We are wherever we are at any given moment. We are in our neighborhood. We are in our school. We are on our job. We are on our sports team. We are an ambassador for Christ in the band or in our club. We are ambassadors for Christ wherever we may travel, whether it's down to Texas or whether it's to Mexico or to Latvia or to Nicaragua or to Haiti. What an amazing privilege and we're assigned to be his ambassador in our circle of influence to represent Christ. I mean, isn't that a a wild thing? Remember, Jesus' current residence is at the right hand of the Father, and you and I, this blows my mind, are standing in for him right now down here. And, of course, the goal that I should have in my life is I want to be an effective, consistent ambassador. And, you know, if you really think about that for a while, you go home and chew on that one for a little while, and you're going to feel a little bit overwhelmed. But we need to remember it's not resident on our own resources to pull that off. Remember Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20, when, when he said to the disciples, go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And then the most encouraging phrase, he says it, and yet I'm going to be with you always. He hasn't given us the amazing privilege and just left us alone. Through the Holy Spirit, he is there to empower us in a mighty, mighty way. What an exciting opportunity we have to take our outreach to a new altitude. And we have with us this morning Phil Chain, uh, who's with Mexico Missions. We've known him for many, many years. And he's going to come and share one of the very practical ways right away that we want you to be involved in increasing Wildwoods Outreach. So let's welcome Phil to come on up and share.
0: It's, uh, it's great to be here this morning. Um, you know, isn't it great to be in the body of Christ? I mean, you know, be in the body of Christ... We have great benefits being in the body of Christ, but we also have some responsibilities. And those responsibilities are help leading people to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, the great thing about that is there's a thousand unlimited different ways that we can do that. You can do it right here, you can do it with a smile, you can do it with your funds, you can do it by serving. I mean, it was a great thing Friday night to see all those children come through here with the smiling faces. I mean, that touched my heart, and that's the way you help keep Jesus in front of them. And what we're going to, we're doing again the backpack program, and uh, we're doing it a little early this year. We're doing it for Christmas instead of April with Wildwood. And so, we've got the signs out here, and uh, we've got everything ready to, to take off to go to Mexico to do the backpack program. And that's one of the ways we reach out to people. Everybody, you know, the book of Matthew talks about Jesus touching people, talks about uh, when, when Jesus has touched you, you've been touched. There's a few instances where people reached out and touched Jesus, and that changed their life also. And this is one of the ways we use this to reach out and touch people in Mexico. Now, in December, we're doing a little different than we've done in April in the past year. So, this is a little different for y'all. Not only are we passing out the backpacks that have the candy and the toys and the gospel material, and we're doing puppets and we're doing dramas and we're reaching out to the children, but we're doing it in conjunction with a medical clinic where we'll reach the whole, we're going to six different villages the 22nd of December through the 27th of December, one village different every day, we're going to be doing a medical clinic where we'll be reaching out to the whole village. We'll be touching the adults. We'll be reaching out and touching the children. We've got glasses to pass out. There'll be doctors there. It's, it's, we've got 75 youth, Mexican youth going with us that will be helping. They'll be doing evangelizing. They'll be doing kind of the volunteers that y'all did. They'll be doing the puppets and the dramas and things like that. So it's kind of an extension of Wildwood, what you saw here Friday night down in Mexico. Now, Wildwood, I want you to know, you're seeing a magnificent change here in Wildwood. Most churches don't change this much at one time. You're seeing an era leaving with Dave stepping down and exciting things coming in that way. You're seeing a wonderful thing, uh, Wildwood paying off their debt. Come on, Bruce, you come up. I'm almost done. Paying off their debt and going into missions in a huge way. I mean, when you get the grasp of this, it's a huge and dynamic way. And then the third thing is for the last 21 years, I've had two minutes to talk, and today I got nine. (laughs) Nine minutes. Okay? Nine whole minutes. So, (laughs) thank you, Bruce. Appreciate it. Let's give Phil a hand, yeah.
1: We really appreciate, man, it's been so great knowing Phil and Marianne all these years and working with them, and and we're really excited. This is part of what we're talking about when we talk about taking our outreach to a new altitude. And if you've been around Wildwood, you know, one of the ways we've done the backpacks is we've asked you to maybe sign up for a backpack or two backpacks and to put the money together. It takes about $25 to fill that backpack up. And I want to also reiterate what he mentioned you know, you see people opening up, kids opening stuff up with, with, with the girls with some dolls and some other toys in there, and you think, oh, you know, it's always nice for kids to get, they have nothing. These kids in these mountain villages, if you said, what toys do you have? They have nothing. They may have a stick that they found, but that's it. And not only are we giving them something that just absolutely overwhelms them with joy, but tucked inside there is the message of Jesus Christ. And here's what we're going to be doing. We're not asking you individually to do anything about backpacks. Remember, we talked about the first $100,000 going to outreach. Well, we have set aside $10,000 of that money to take care of these backpacks for these kids in these remote mountain villages where virtually nobody else goes except wild, crazy people like Phil Chain. (laughs) But here's what we are asking you to do, and this is what's really cool we have several hundred of these little backpacks that are out in the gathering hall area on the table. And what we want you to do is to take one of these as a prayer reminder, okay? We want you to just maybe hang it on your refrigerator with a magnet or put it somewhere where you can remind. And then tucked inside here is a little prayer reminder That we're partnering with Mexico Missions to share the gospel with 500 kids this Christmas season. And there's just a little suggestion that we pray for each child. Think about this they're gonna get a backpack. Isn't this gonna be cool if every one of us is praying for that one kid who gets that backpack, reads about Jesus, that they would trust in Jesus Christ and respond to the good news? Is that not a great way to be a witness? Is it not a great way to be an ambassador for Christ? So after the service, this is the practical, take-it-home, life-response part. We would like every one of you to pick up one of these little backpacks as the prayer reminder of what's going to be happening in December. And I'll tell you, I believe God's going to honor that, and God's going to do great things through all of that. What an amazing opportunity this is, And as I've stated at some of the other earlier meetings we've had about this whole idea of ready for takeoff, I believe with every fiber of my being, God is going to do things we never imagined through this church. God is going to surprise us in the years and even the decades ahead with some of the things he's going to accomplish, and we get to be a part of it all. We get to participate in it. So, I'm going to lead us in prayer, but... Please pick one of these up. The last thing we want to do is not have anybody praying for some of the kids who are going to get them, all right? So pick one of them up. Pray for this outreach that's going to be going on this Christmas season in December. Let's just pray together. Father, we just thank you so much just for the way that you're working. It's so encouraging to us. And we thank you for some of our ministry partners like Phil Chain. And Mexico missions, Lord. And what an incredible thing, what an incredible opportunity we have to allow 500 kids to get backpacks. And we would pray that we can take these backpacks and just remember by looking at them that you've called us to be ambassadors. We would pray that there would be many, many students, kids, and adults who find themselves eternalized because of the outreach of Mexico missions into these mountain villages this December. We thank you for allowing us the privilege of being a partner in all of this. Just to be able to take one of these little tiny backpacks as a reminder to pray. For people that we've never met, but we will probably meet one day in heaven. We just thank you so much for that incredible, incredible, incredible privilege that you have given to us. And we pray that you would work in a mighty way through your Holy Spirit. We pray that you would make us effective and consistent ambassadors for Christ, whatever our sphere of influence may be, because we want to make a difference. We want to see people have their lives changed for eternity. Thank you for the privilege. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.